Welcome back to Beards and Brews, everybody. This week's review is going to be The Changeling from 1980, starring good old Patton himself, George C. Scott. Uh, I was going to save the Patton reference for a little bit later, but you got it. You got it. No, he's no, he's going to be Patton from here on out. All right. I saw him as not Martin Sheen. <laughs> well, like, I mean, for a while, for a while, I was like, man, he looks like a chunky George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that I kept thinking that he looked like? Uh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Cut this shit out. <laughs> All right, Uncle Joey. Cut it out. Oh, Michael you... Douglas is who I, who oh, I was thinking of, I think. No, he doesn't look anything like Michael well, Douglas. Well, the uh, the dude later on, um, the uh, I don't want to call him an evil dude. He's not really evil, but the rich guy we find out later on. Yeah. His name is... Um, Last name is Douglas, and I thought he was Kirk Douglas's dad, but it turns out that wasn't the case. That dude is old as fucking dirt. Yeah, yeah he is. This was like his uh, next to last movie before he passed away. This movie came out in 80, he passed away in 81. The more you know. So, this movie starts super fucking cringe. Oh, <laughs> it's bad. It's, uh, I thought this movie was going to fall victim to its era. Because it had a lot of fucking weird tropes and a lot of bad editing. I was like, oh my god, no. I really don't want to watch this choppy piece of garbage. Leave it alone. It's Canadian. It can help it. Is yeah. it? It is a Canadian film. I, I saw that on IMDb. Don't know what difference it makes, but there you go. Uh, chunky George Washington. I don't know. Yeah. Freedom Eagles. Maple Leaves. But yeah, the opening scene of this, pretty much you got, uh, I guess... A family driving or pushing their car through some snow. I guess it couldn't get through the snow, uh, and they're they're just giving a push to get it out of the snow. I guess. Yeah, they're pushing. I say that, one. Yeah, I want to say the car might have was like broke down because there are a couple other cars on that road that had zero problem just fucking zero. flying down the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what the fuck was that blue car doing? <laughs> like, what the fuck is even going on? He's just there, just a bystander. Like, that guy was there to do insane turns and to try to drift in the snow. What the fuck? Like, just over-the-top driving. This guy could have slowed down at any time. He's just punching the gas, doing fucking... It's a mess. Yeah, this scene is totally here to set up, you know, our main character's woes. But it's so... It's beyond suspension of disbelief. It's beyond just, like, regular common sense. Like... So, Patton and his family are up in who knows where, going on vacation, the car's broken down, it's like, oh, let me just hop into fucking Bill and Ted's phone booth that magically appeared to my left over here, and I'll be right back, fellas. And Man. while he's making the phone call, alright, I've been in, like, an old-fashioned, it's weird to call an old-fashioned, like, phone booth where you close the door, it does kind of muffle sound, right? This truck is blazing down the road at top speed, literally Right? And he can hear it. Yeah, but it's his like a big ass cold truck. Feet too, but... are goddamn oblivious. And they're just like, tee hee, let's, let's have a gasoline fight. You know, just like whatever. Now, this is where, to me, it gets so out of hand that I was like, this is a bit much. And this is why, like, when I told you I tried to rewatch it uh, the other night before I tried to actually sit down and watch it. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can fucking watch this. It's bad. This is so bad. He hears it, he sees it coming, it's a hot fucking mess. He sees the other car that's like, ring, 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 fucking zooming down the highway for no reason. 
And the mother and child don't see this happening or coming. They don't hear it, nothing. They're just completely oblivious. Yeah, they're just and, like playing in the snow or something. Yeah. And out loud, I was like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Like, yeah, this, it is. This catastrophic thing happens. I mean, the truck winds up crashing into their station wagon and then in turn running them over. A grisly mess. I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. There's no way they did not hear this fucking coming. Now, well, they did hear it, and then actually, they grasped each other together and did not move at all. There it is. Not only did oh it fucking crash into the car, but in the whatever era this is supposed to be set in, this is how you get out of the way of a car, I guess. You know, the same shit they taught you in school. Hide under the desk. Hide in the door frame. What do you do? Here's a semi-truck coming directly at you. Lay down. It can't get you. They see it coming, and they're like, what are you going to do? I'm just going to lay down. And they Play just dead. lay down. Good Lord. It's like, oh, the boat's sinking. Hold your breath, kids. Fuck off. Play dead. The, the truck might paw at you, but it'll eventually leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> it was so... Just loud and abrupt. It just didn't work. And a testament to what Brady said earlier, that is the weakest point of the movie. This movie has one of the best builds in a horror movie. I've seen it in a good while, and this movie's 40, 41 years old, give or take, at the yes. moment. It does get quite a bit better. It really does. This is definitely like a B-side, but it's a good B-side. Yes, a hundred percent, and so many movies draw from this film. And if you've seen modern horror, and you go back and you watch this, you can go, "Holy shit! This movie took this. This movie took this. This movie took this." You can just throughout the entire film. I feel like on top of that, this movie is ripe for the picking. I mean, this could definitely be remade. Like, give it to Blumhouse, let them fucking take care of it, because I feel like 90% of this movie takes place in the house that we're about to mention. It would cost fucking nothing, and I think they would do a really good job. I, The build, though. Holy shit. The build. This movie is so fucking good at setting atmosphere. Uh, via the sound effects, via the soundtrack they're using, um, the actors they've okay. chosen are doing a phenomenal job, especially the uh, the female lead. She is incredible, especially in one of the later scenes when she's being chased through the house. She is fucking <laughs> legitimately depicting terror. I have never, ever in my life seen someone look so afraid in a film. She sold it beyond fucking 100%. It was incredible and completely believable. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the meat potatoes. That's the very beginning. That's our setup for the main character. This movie's kind of like Death Wish. Instead of, like, revenge, it's just, like, a weird, like, horror plot, right? So his family demolished. He goes back to home, and it's empty. He's got to move. And he's having all these, like, memories and stuff of, like, the good old times with his family, you know, being alive and all that stuff. And so we find out that he's just, like, getting out of here. He's just going to go to Seattle, become a teacher, just kind of, like, just chill try to move on with his life yeah he i didn't realize told... this was seattle until we uh saw the space needle like an hour later yeah <laughs> it, it, like like eric said it's all in that house yeah yeah he even references that in the early uh the early part of the film he goes hey i'm just looking for a place to lock myself in to compose some music you know, when I feel like it, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to give a few lectures. I'm going to teach a little bit. I just need a place to be alone with my thoughts and my music. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, like, that's why I brought up Death Wish. And, you know, Paul Kersey goes to Arizona 
to do architecture stuff for a little bit. The, the, yeah. This guy goes to Seattle just to work on his music. But, you know, Paul Kersey just, like, gets fed up and goes starts a murder spree. And Patton over here just becomes the fucking ghost detective. Yeah, at the very beginning when he moves in, I'm thinking, this is going to be just the fucking Shining, right? The house is, uh, you know, we'll get to it. But, like, I just thought this was going to be another, like, uh, copycat. It's not. It's not. It's, it's all how it's dealt with. Like, you know, Jack Terrence, he just goes fucking crazy. Spoilers. And Patton, or I forget what this character's name is, he just, like, takes the moment to just be like, wait a minute, what the fuck's happening? Like, he, he never freaks out. Yeah, he approaches it from a very logical perspective. Okay, there is a ghost, which I think that, you know, him being emotionally vulnerable to the loss of his family really opens him up to just accepting that right off the bat because the first thing yeah. the ghost shows him is, hey, look, it's your daughter dead in the fucking bathtub. He's like, oh, shit. And they fuck with him later on, too, because we uh, see early on that he has this, like, little trinket, like a little bouncy ball that was his daughter's. And yeah. it's clear yeah. where he keeps it just for, like, you know, so he can look at it and just have, like, a reminiscing moment. And it drops down the steps and almost, like, taunting him. And he's just like, I got an idea. So he takes it and he just, like, drives into town and hucks it off a bridge. He's like, okay, let's see what happens. And he comes back and I'll be damned, it's back in the house. Not only is it back in the house, but it's bouncing down the stairs wet. And the fucking way they do the sound for this scene, each time it bounces, there's been a rhythmic banging at 6 a.m. in the morning. And it is perfectly in tune to that banging. Just boom, boom, boom. And that is where they start to build this atmosphere of just the creepiest shit. So good. Yeah. And just real quick, we do learn that this house was like pushed through the papers really quickly. It's a an estab or it's a building that was uh, is owned by the National Historic Register or something like that. The woman who's a business for him, he, she just kind of like quickly threw it together just to get him out of here as soon as possible. Yeah, he needed a place to stay. Uh, he's been staying in a hotel and I guess she's like a friend of his or something was just like, "Hey, let's uh, let's see what we can find you. We'll get you in something real quick." And it turned yeah, out to I, be a gigantic fucking mansion, like a, a super old, <laughs> super huge mansion. Yeah, it, it's way too much house. Like, I thought that immediately. This is no way he's going to use all this. And I don't know if it was the movie's intention, but I thought that the woman that was helping him with the papers and stuff, I thought she was in on it because she did put the papers through really quickly. He moved out very, very quickly as well. And then she mentioned briefly, it's like, oh, this place comes with a piano. And that's why I thought of you tee-hee, nudge-nudge. And I, for a minute, I thought uh, we're introduced to a Mr. Tuttle. I guess he's like a, a groundskeeper or like a, an overtaker or whatever it is for all of these historic houses. I thought he was in on it too, but uh, I guess not. I guess he's just a a red herring. There's quite a few red herrings in all this, and he's definitely <laughs> one of them. That, that could be, yeah. Okay, I like that. <clears throat> and to Eric's point, this is a lot of house Something I thought that was super amusing is they show you this house about four or five times from the outside. This fucking place, like Chandler said, is a mansion. You can see at least 30 fucking windows. This movie takes place in four rooms. Yeah. That was actually one of my um, detractors early on. It's like, man, there's so much house here, and the movie doesn't go out of its way to show me any of it. Like, I thought it was just because of just bad filmmaking, but later on, it's just not important. I'm really used to horror movies that take place in relatively one location, 
trying to get me familiar with the surroundings because you know that geography is going to help me later on understand like the climax of the movie nope it's just how you get to one room that's all they care about how do you get to this one fucking room and that's all that matters but uh, as we alluded to earlier, there's uh, he wakes up at 6 a.m. to a loud pounding. Uh, and this is the first inclination that anything is, is really wrong or anything. There's a loud pounding. He starts hearing some uh, spooky noises <laughs> while he's uh, playing piano. And it's, it's clearly something supernatural, something just like bewildering. And the poor groundskeeper just comes in and is like, yeah, it's the boiler. They're just fucking weird. Nah, it's just the pipes. It's an old house. Old house is gonna gonna be old. Everything's got a habit. And then he, like, takes out his heroin needle. <laughs> oh, no. I thought he was gonna say something like, yeah, it's uh, exactly six in the morning, right? Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, these old things are regular. Unlike us when we get older. <laughs> Leaves. Fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, no. Uh, the next thing I have written down is uh, the lady from before, from the historical register comes over to bring some old prints and photographs and paintings or whatever that I guess is supposed to belong to the house. I don't know yeah. why they weren't already in there, but... Uh, well, that was just uh, Claire's moment to introduce to John that she was an equestrian. Period. Oh, yeah. He says to her, you going riding? And she's like, <laughs> of course I am. Do you ride? And all I can think and of, he's a rich white guy. Of course he's going to go riding, right? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Have you seen those portraits of George Washington and shit? Crossing the Delaware, riding them waves. Did he cross the Delaware on a horse? Is that what happened? I mean, horse. Dude. at this point, horse. <laughs> I was going to say, at this point, history's liquid, just whatever. Yeah. It's not the only thing that's liquid. Eh. But he, uh... <laughs> But he, uh, he has this, like, moment to where he's like, yeah, I love riding these horses. You know who else liked horses? My daughter. Cut to him fucking hard, ugly crying in his bed. Yeah, but it's so yeah. weird. Like, you mentioned before that there are, like, a handful of red herrings, but that scene didn't fucking need to exist. Like, it's kind of whatever. I was actually okay with her showing up in her equestrian outfit and it not being explained. I was just like... Is this bitch just dressed up like a fucking jockey? That's what she does. That's just I think I'm a washing machine with Uncle Buck. I mean, is that what's happening? <laughs> oh, Christ. It's it's weird. Like, it's weird to explain because this movie, it's slow in the sense of it's like there's so much information that doesn't add up to anything yet. It's almost like you just sure. dumped out the pieces of a puzzle first and you're just kind of like trying to find the corners. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, like, the next scene that I remember is uh, he's having a music lesson in his home. There's a handful of students there, and uh, they leave, and he starts to hear, like, some moaning or some crying or something. So he goes to investigate it, and uh, he hears water running in the sink. And uh, he, he pokes around some more, and he hears water running upstairs in the bathroom. So he goes up there and turns the water off, and the bathtub is full of water, and he sees his daughter's face in it. Whoa, he's being haunted by the hydroelectric company. No. Ghosts and shit. <laughs> but just just quickly, like, he finished his lesson with the, the, the kids there, not before throwing some fucking hard shade at him. It's like, oh, that was great. Up to you. You're a little... 
little too retarded in that one fucking measure. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's now, fine. you know, jumping around a little bit. Whenever he's giving his lectures, dude's got jokes. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Back at the college. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I see that 28 people signed up for my class, and it's not raining outside, so I, I assume that the majority of you had nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, class full. yeah, it's it's not even like a regular classroom. It's like a fucking full-on lecture. There's probably 300 people in there. Yeah. I thought it was uh, set up to where, like, he maybe he's a famous composer. And he kind of is, like, in regards to the story of the movie. But I have a feeling, like, the word got out there filming a movie in the school and people just showed up and was like, well, we're just going to have to fucking use it. <laughs> yeah, I still don't really know why there were all those people in his lecture hall. I figured it might be, like, people coming to talk to him because, oh, this guy's going crazy or something and they heard about it. or I don't know. We haven't gotten to that. Oh, it turns out there's, like, nobody there just playing to an empty room. Oh, no. No, no, no like, uh, professor's going crazy and, like, uh, making shit up, and they just want to come to see this crazy professor. See if maybe something fun's gonna happen. <laughs> well, I mean, there was that one wacky professor from the, uh, psychiatric ward or whatever. The kind of guy who looked like his family invented World War II. Yeah. What? Oh, 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 okay, yeah, I... I Vaguely remember, yeah. Cut that, too, definitely. So, (laughs) he's having all these odd experiences. He goes back to, I guess, City Hall or whatever, where that lady works. And he's talking to this Historical Preservation Society, whatever. The HPS. And he's there, and this little old lady that kind of reminds me of the lady that's from uh, Maximum Overdrive. But that tiny, squeaky voice. Well, she's... And she's like, that house ain't fit to live in. It doesn't want people. And the guy's like, what? And then she gives him this vague, ominous warning. And he goes, wait, let's elaborate. And she just kind of does that. And walks away. (laughs) It's basically to the tune of that woman from Dracula Dead and Loving, who's just like, and just like goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we find out that there were questions about his lease. That's why we know that uh, the lease was pushed forward very quickly, uh, maybe without all the checks that should have been there. And yeah. uh, he's like, then there has been trouble. And she just walks away. <laughs> yeah, he's, he just like walks in. Hey, was there some shit? Maybe. Maybe go fuck yourself. <laughs> Basically. It's one of those things like where uh, Rob Lowe or Rob Schneider in Home Alone where he's like rubbing his fingers like he's expecting a tip and like he puts the gum in it and he's like oh well fuck you then (laughs) (laughs) he ends up going back to the house and having some more spooky things happening and he's lured upstairs nay drawn upstairs by these strange events and he stumbles into a room that seems to be like a uh, like a pantry and he's like well there's nothing in here oh except for this weird board let me see what's behind that. And was it just me, or did anyone else question why they didn't put a fucking sheet of drywall over that? Yeah, it was like a it was a shelf or something. He had there were shelves hanging up there over top of it. Yeah, That'll but there were just panel boards with gaps in between and behind it. It was beyond obvious. Also, they got like most of the door covered by that uh, pantry shelf. There's like a little bit covered, not covered up. He's like, that'll work. Yeah, Mister was just like, fuck it, it's good enough. And he's like Superman, but he starts tearing shit apart like it's nothing. Yeah, just ripping the boards off by hand. But then he has to go get a hammer because he sees one of these old-timey locks on the door, and he starts fucking pounding on it. 
And that pounding is exactly the same pounding he has been hearing at 6 a.m. every morning. And again, it gives you that like that eerie feeling like, oh, shit, like premonition what? style. Like, what's going on? I didn't so notice that at all. Well, yeah, he starts banging on the lock and the house starts banging back, you know, like in reciprocation. But I hate to hate to say this, but I think I have seen this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? This is the one with the uh, the little girl that's like porcelain upstairs, right? Oh, yeah, but she's turning into the doll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great No. Wasn't that like a movie, too? Um, I don't know about a movie, but I remember that episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark vividly. I watched it not too, far, uh, not too long ago because me and the wife would just sit around and watch YouTube and watch Are You Afraid of the Dark on there. Yeah, it's a good episode. <laughs> but uh, he ends up breaking the lock off and then giving the door a few shoulder charges, like full-on shoulder charges, and then it just kind of opens by itself. Yeah. All you had to be was nice. <laughs> and we find this, like, old decrepit room just, like, covered with, like, decades of just fucking dirt. Now, super dusty, super cobwebby. Did anyone else think that these were the best cobwebs they've seen in film? Because I thought they looked fucking incredible. They were I thick mean, with two C's. <laughs> like, I don't think, like, any of the effects in this movie were terrible. Like, not at all. Like, they, it looked like they found a house saw this room, threw this movie together in a weekend, and gave fucking Patton a thousand bucks to show up in Seattle. He was like, okay, what do I need? He's like, two sweater vests and <laughs> smile. He's like, I'm coming. You still know how to play piano? It doesn't matter. That's just okay. Better be at it. We'll overdub it. Yeah. Yeah, just like Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, so uh, he's going through this attic. He sees some notebooks labeled... Uh, CSB from 1909 and there's a music box he opens it up and it just happens to play the same music that he had originally composed like the day before correct now How does we're, that also, happen? we're also skimming over a very 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 large part of the film in that dusty ass room is a dusty ass child's fucking wheelchair and yeah, a little tiny wheelchair fucking scary looking they yeah, look like it's pretty rocking chairs from hell. It looks pretty gross, but you know it's got to play a part in the movie. It's on the poster and everything. That's specifically I think, up there. I think it would have been to the movie's benefit if it, like it just like kind of brushed by it, because like the camera tries to keep John and the wheelchair in frame as long as it can, and it kind of struggles, like because he's moving around the room playing his little point-and-click adventure. Yeah, like, oh, we're moving around this? Yeah, but we want to focus a little bit more, so we're going to tilt this way. No, 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 stay there, stay there. All right, that's yeah, it's just like, It's just like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so the next thing that he does is he goes back to this uh, National Historic uh, Preservation Society thing uh, to go through the records. He wants to see who owns that house back in uh, 1909 can't find anything before 1920 and we do like a whole big bit about him trying to discover what's going on with this house he does a lot of research and there's again another red herring to where he finds out about a girl like his daughter who was hit by a uh a, a, a coal thing a coal cart like a coal carriage yeah yeah and you're like oh well that's clearly what's going on it's exactly right. the same you're like, oh, well, yeah, duh. Okay, these, you know, one plus one is clearly two. This is the situation. This is what's happening. And he gets a medium to come in. And the medium 
in this very fucking Conjuring-esque scene. You know, scribbling on paper, talking to this ghost. He's voice recording it. You know, uh, EVP session kind of thing. And he finds out it's not this girl. It's, in fact, a young boy named Joseph. I thought it was, like, a really cool scene. It's very hectic. Like, before you even know it, it's, like, crazy shit's happening. There's, like, a lot of ramping up of, like, loud noises and stuff. Not a jump scare or anything. Like, as she's being, I guess, channeling Joseph, she's just, like, scribbling nonsense. And in the middle of it, she'll just jot down, like, whatever information's important. And it gets quicker and quicker and louder and louder before, like, her herself is like, help, you know, I don't want to be channeling anymore. This is getting fucking crazy. Yeah. You get, yeah. Uh, will you speak to us? Yes. Are you the child killed by the coal cart? No. What is your name? Joseph. Then you get <laughs> to see, like, help, 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 John. Help, help, John. Yeah, she's like, oh, please, I don't want to be a human Ouija board. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, she's had enough, and so they bring out the large incense rocket. <laughs> I, I've never seen that thing before. I, I, I had no idea what that was. I just saw it and immediately thought, hey, man, that looks like a cone of incense, but made of aluminum foil. Yeah, it was and like this... an aluminum or tin, just like giant dunce cap sitting in the middle of the table. I don't, I don't know what its purpose was, honestly. Bring out the cone! Bom, bom, bom. Okay, gonna blast off, but it starts shaking and causes a uh, a glass to shoot across the room and shatter. But it also does like this evil dead type camera thing to where the ghost is coming into the room and. This is one of the things that, you know, I pick out. I can't help but make fun of. But the camera's supposed to be coming into the room to be like, oh, man, here it comes. It's the ghost. It's being channeled. It's coming. But you see the cameraman's shadow on the floor. Walking oh, with... Yeah. Yeah, you can oh, catch it. I didn't see that at all. That's rough. It's there. Wow, wow. They tried, though. But it's still a great scene. Uh, it helps to build the atmosphere. Like we keep talking about, this movie isn't so much about jump scares. It's about just an overall fucking creepy feeling, and they they do it. I, I think it's even better than that. I think that they they shoot for creepy, but they they land in like this weird area where you're always curious. Much like the main character, who is, you know, he's clearly visibly shaken by what's happening, but he can't stop wanting to be more involved. Well, like I said, like this starts turning into like a, like a ghost, uh, like a ghost detective movie. Like this guy's starting to put the pieces together, and as he's kind of trekking along, this movie goes from just like whatever to super, super interesting. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that uh, that show. What was that show with Jennifer Love Hewitt? It's kind of like that. Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, it's kind of like that, except uh, this guy's not nearly as high. Truth. So instead of, you know, it being this girl who's hit by a coal cart, it was a boy who is yelling about his father and this man doing something and killing him. And they don't explain how just yet. But man, you get like these glimpses of what happens and they show you the vivid scene of what does happen because... He starts to uh, listen to this recording that he made the EVP session, and it kind of sends him there, and he gets to see it firsthand of you know the murder of this child. Yeah, you actually hear uh, voices through the tape that you didn't hear in the in the actual medium session. And when it finally coalesces, and it, you know, see what happens, it's super fucked. Like, yeah. it's it's such a simple idea, but man, just like man, that poor fucking kid, you know? Yeah, there is a young boy who is 
crippled due to was it MS? Um, I, I think they didn't say it like out loud, but like all the symptoms alluded to something like that because he couldn't yeah. walk. See, I was thinking polio. I just assumed polio, nineteen oh nine. I don't know. But it's some sort of crippling disease. This child couldn't walk, and the the father goes in there, and the boy's sitting in the tub taking a bath, and he pulls his legs up, sending the child under the water. And this is where we get one of the first glimpses of what the banging really is, and that's the child banging on the edges of the iron tub. Super fucking uncomfortable scene, very vivid, and you're just like, shit. It's like, man, this guy fucking sucks at Marco Polo. Yeah, he does. And then we cut to brunch. <laughs> yeah. There's some um, there's a lot of little like small, small scenes where like he's at location, brief information. Okay, next location. Yeah, they, yeah there they, is like not long in case you're not grasping, even though they do what I personally think is a phenomenal job of delivering what's going on without just exposition dumps, mm-hmm. even though they give you those for the people who aren't following. Like yeah. like I'm gonna uh, like I'm gonna nitpick and stuff, that's fine, but like this is definitely them trying to just like make the movie feel bigger because ninety percent of the movie is in the house. I guess that's right. But uh, what I was going to say is what you get a lot of is these big emotional scenes like that. Uh, this happened earlier with when we were talking about the little uh, horseback riding. When he gets emotional, he starts seeing visions of his daughter and he gets, you know, it's a real big scene and then it just cuts to something else. He's back at the house or he's out somewhere else or, you know. Yeah. It That <laughs> scene just ends kind of abruptly. Hadn't on the veranda. <laughs> But uh, he's taking the words that this child has been saying, and he's trying to piece everything together. He was killed. He was drowned. Something about a well. Uh, the child's last name, which was, you guys remember? Carmichael. Carmichael. Joseph Carmichael. Carmichael. And if you paid attention earlier in the movie, they do pass a building with Carmichael in the name. It's the same people who, I guess, whose name are on like the little um, institute that he's teaching at. Correct. Oh, they have like uh, a little anything or everything, and they are also uh, a senator. Yeah, yeah, at the very beginning, not very beginning, but as soon as he moves into this town, he goes to like a little, like a, a gala or something, like yeah, a fundraiser or something, and you know everybody's sitting around sipping champagne or whatever because that's what rich white people do. And then there's <laughs> a little, there's a little brief speech from oh, that's the senator. Okay. And boy, does he love making speeches. Yuck, yuck, yuck. It's what senators do. <laughs> no, I mean, like, we don't know too much about him at first, but, like, a little later on, you see him pull up to, I think, the courthouse or whatever, and I had a good giggle that his license plate just said Joe. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Now, this is where we get a, a big, big another chunk of Ghost Detective, where he is putting things together... He heads out to where the, the ranch used to be, where this well was located. He speaks to the person well, that... Well, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you see uh, little Minnie uh, calling the senator, and he's like, she's like, they're going through the files. And she uh, gives him his name. It's like, it's John uh, fucking Patton or whatever. Jacob Shingleheim. <laughs> it's fucking Patton. He's got the flag and everything. And this is where I learned that we're uh, we're in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, up to this point, it could have been like Boston or uh, uh, fucking anywhere, places with old stuff. Yeah, he has um he has an office in a building that doesn't look structurally sound. And we go up there for a moment, and in the background, you have the Space Needle. He gets the phone call 
letting him know like there's somebody hot on his quote unquote trail and he just kind of has like a thousand yard stare gets up and he leans on a stinking boat that is a pretty cool fucking boat though he's got one in his fucking office and the same one shows up in his house later on you know why oh <laughs> oh is this where uh where he starts going through the the microfiche yeah yes okay okay yeah i got you so he starts going through the microfiche. Yeah, he's going through the microfiche. He starts uh, just raffling off all these uh, newspapers that are around that time that uh, deal with the little kid that he found out had that little, uh, I guess, MS issue. Correct. We also find out that uh, Richard Carmichael, Senator whatever Carmichael's father, sent his son Joseph to Switzerland when he was six years old. Yeah. So that that's our first connection right there. So we have the little kid that was in the tub, presumably, is the Carmichael that the senator right now. But if that kid died, that couldn't have been the kid sent off to Europe until he was 18 to come back to, and further on be a senator. So there's our big mystery right there. Yeah, so he starts theorizing that the kid was killed, buried secretly, and... Uh, he went to this orphanage, this local orphanage, and just got a replacement son. One that wasn't a fucking cripple. <laughs> just give me a good one. One of those fucking everything works. Sent yeah, him to Switzerland, then by the time he came back, when he was an adult, nobody would have known that it wasn't the real, the real <laughs> Slim Shady. <laughs> so whenever, you know, that child was able to come back at 18, he would inherit the Empire, which is one of the first things that the main character references. He goes, this is the worst kind of murder. A murder for money. Yeah, I guess if he didn't have an heir, um, all of his his empire would have gone to charity or the public or whatever. Yeah, uh, the exact so, charity they had a fundraiser for at the beginning of the movie. Oh, what a coincidence. So by having a son, he gets to keep it in the family and presumably keep it for a while. And as the great proverb goes, what a twist. So when he's going through all of these uh, revelations in his brain thinks the kid was buried secretly and he's talking to the, the lady from the Historical Preservation Society. He has these fucking intuitive, I'm going to see if there was a ranch in the area, a Carmichael ranch, and if on that ranch there was a well. Alright, that's... Okay, sure, go for it. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't think that was like such a giant leap in logic. I think he just... He well, the child out... is EVP says in the well. I didn't oh, hear really? anything about in a well, but I might there. have just missed it. I don't remember that either, but I think his logic was less of a jump. Because like, his train of thought was like, well, he's got to get rid of the body. Where would you get rid of it? It's probably somewhere that you have complete control over so nobody would find. So you know, And he found out that it had a well after that he had looked up the records. He was like, oh, well, well, you know. I'll tell well, you, if I had to dispose well, of a body, okay. it wouldn't be in a well. Especially it wouldn't be on a well on my property. Yeah, with evidence around its neck. But if you go back, he did, well, during the EVP session, he's writing everything down. It's all there. Everything he's hearing, he's writing it down. It's like, blah, 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 Joseph, in the well. It's all there. Mm. And there's something about a medal. Yes, which is the necklace around his neck. My medal! <laughs> he yeah, had so... to dig up the medal. And we're treated to a super fucking creepy scene. Because uh, he goes there, and Miss Gray now lives on that property. And the house is built over the well, but her daughter has been experiencing paranormal activity involving this boy that she can see 
trying to come through her floor. Yeah, she's been having, like, night terrors, waking up, seeing this fucking dead boy coming up through the floor. Fucking the ring. And it's fucking creepy. It is. It is. And and coincidentally, she's having these visions or whatever as they're having the seance at the house. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny, like, how he somehow got the information. Because he goes to the house first, knocks on the door, picks up a piece of mail. is like, okay, I get info this way. Leaves, gets her phone number, then calls and asks permission, and comes back that night. Well, he's and a then decent. She, then she's like, "You want to, uh, you want to put a hole in my bedroom floor? I'll think about it." And then that's when we actually see the scene of the daughter uh, having this vision. And then she's like, "Yep, let's do it." She's like, "Oh my God, shape of water, no." <laughs> and so. They dig a fucking hole. They find the well. They go down in it, and they get a bag of bones. They're like, yep, there's a dead body, but they can't find this metal. And the cops are like, hey, man, what's going on here? How do you know all about this? And he's like, ah, you know, I had a seance. Little dead boy was like, I'm buried here. He's like, well, you know who it is? He's like, not a clue. No, he's like, not really. And the cop is like, what does that mean, not really? He's like, I know. I just thought it was a funny little (laughs) retort, like, what do you mean not re- I feel like a normal person would just say no. A hard no. Not really leaves a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, who is that? I don't know. You sure? Not really. What? <laughs> Shifty eyes takes a drag off a cigarette. Nothing. Who is My- that? I really have very few clues. But he can't find the metal, and he goes, You know, without that metal, I got diddly squat. And the ghost is like, You're right. Go back. I sound like Paul Bearer instead of a ghost. Yeah. You get the well. <laughs> so this is another thing that I can nitpick. He's down there digging in the bottom of the well after he breaks into the lady's house after all this is said and done. This is potting soil. Yeah, that is some really good quality, some really rich soil. It's even got those little cell phone balls that you would see in potting soil. Like, I'm not even mad at that. I have a feeling like there's no way they dug in somebody's house. This is all on a soundstage. Fucking use as much miracle grow as you want. Fuck it. Just it, it works. It's dirt. It's not perfect, but it's dirt. Did they have like uh manufactured potting soil back in like nineteen oh nine? Maybe that's just what they filled up the well with. We got this deal with Miracle Grow. They said we can use as much as we want. Go that makes it a miracle. It's the cocaine. <laughs> it's the cocaine. But Ron, we got all the dirt that we need outside. Why do you need to buy dirt? This is good dirt. Anyway, so while he digs through the miracle grow soil, he does find the necklace, the metal from the boy. Ah, uh, no, it, he doesn't. The necklace fucking just makes itself apparent. Oh, yeah, it, it comes up like fucking... I got nothing. Like a worm after it rains. Just Thanks, ghost. Da-da-da-da! And it's uh, inscribed St. Paul's Church, 900. Evidencia! Yeah. And I love that his first idea was like, okay, I have hard evidence. Ah, Mr. Carmichael, ah! Yes, yes. I was going to make that same point because before he even does this nonsense, he goes, I need A, B, C to have a proper case and be able to prove it. And the lady's like, well, how are you going to do it? He goes, well, I'm going to do these three things. He goes and does those three things to have the proper evidence, everything he needs to prove his case. And then then he he just just acts like a fucking crazy. Yeah, what? it's it's the it's the same leap that Nick Cage makes in National Treasure, where he goes from just like, "Huh, this is serious," 
Now I gotta fucking steal the Declaration of Independence. But why? I gotta do it. Yeah. And of course, Carmack was like, "Who the fuck is this guy? I'm calling the cops." As he's getting onto his plane, his private jet. Yeah, there's no way he could not have expected interference. Like he has bodyguards. He's probably got like a cop on him all the time, which he did. And they're just like, "No, armbar. Nope. 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 Nope." Yeah, they're like, get the fuck out of here. He's like, I tried all I could, ghost. What do you want? He's like, for you to do something logical. <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. So after he's strong-armed by the uh, security dudes and, and everything, uh, just basically fucking blocked away from talking to Senator Carmichael, he goes home and he hears all kinds of pounding, more pounding, stronger pounding, wildly pounding. And he just replies, God damn son of a bitch. Like, I'm getting tired of this baby. <laughs> but he's just all upset, and he's like, I did what I could, and he's like, no, you didn't. And then the cop shows up, and he's like, hey, what are you doing here, officer? And he's like, hey, man, you're trying to blackmail fucking Senator Carmichael, ain't you? He's like, what? No. It's such a logical response from somebody who just ran up to him like a madman. Because, like, so what happened? Carmichael gets on his plane, and he's like, huh, that was weird. I know, I should call the cops. So he's like, hey, get this cop that I know to shake down this dude that we have a name for. Like an idiot. And he shows up at his house and he starts, you know, shaking him down. As they would. All these things are happening logically. He's like, you're clearly trying to blackmail the senator. He's like, no, I'm not. And he goes, then what the fuck are you doing yelling at him and telling him yeah. you got his shit? He's like, uh, I don't know. I don't... He goes, yeah, you're trying to blackmail. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And... <sighs> The cop's like, okay, well, I'm going to be back with a fucking search warrant to get the shit that the senator says you have because you're the bad guy in this situation, which he was. Coming to get the the metal, the little kid's metal. Yeah, he's like, he's either give it to me now or I'll be back in an hour with a warrant and we're going to tear this fucking place apart. And he replies, do it, (laughs) 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 That's fucking great. Uh, So uh, while the, the cop is there, the lady comes in, the uh, historical lady, tells him, they canceled your lease, you gotta get the fuck out of here, and they forced me to resign. Shit sucks. Yeah, yeah, like, who knew the fucking senator of the state had all these connections? Oh, no. All these buildings and companies with his fucking name attached. Good lord, it's so stupid, but at this point, it's I thought the movie... Was, way. Well, I thought the movie was going in this particular direction as in like well the guy said he'll be back in an hour with a warrant and immediately the lady from the society's like hey you got to get out of this house asap i was like okay by the time he comes back he's already going to be gone and further his investigation elsewhere but i guess whatever or like at least in the hour that he would have left he could try to drum up some evidence or something like that yeah the little boy had different uh, different ideas because uh he Patton looks into a mirror it shatters. He sees a vision of his uh, smashed windshield from the very beginning. He saw a vision of fucking Final Destination. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. He sees the cop dead. And guess what? The fucking cop is dead. The lady calls like she could have instead of coming over. And is like, I just saw the cop die. <laughs> it's like, that, that, that has to be some plot armor. Because up until now, like the house or like the boy within the house... His powers don't extend past that, and all of a sudden he's murdering somebody down the street. Yeah, by blowing out the windshield like they fucking shot him with a, a shotgun at close range. It was just and the car's upside down. Yeah, the car's. Why? I I don't know what happened to that car. 
So if just... a ghost can flip a car and kill a man, why didn't it just kill the senator to begin with? That's not cool. <laughs> no, people must know the truth. Don't fucking know. Truth. But uh, the next thing that we know is John gets a call, Patton, uh, gets a call to come to the senator's house. He's going to have a little little sit-down talk with the senator. Which and, is... Oh my and, god. Uh, Both sides of that whole thing are stupid. I mean, according to you, this wild, crazy man into your home. No, 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 no. He's outwardly saying he's a wild, crazy man, but internally he knows, like, he's got this necklace, he knows something. But the thing is, he's inviting him to his home, face-to-face, in a room with no guards. He's very specific, like, hey, stay outside for a moment. And on the other side, he shows up like an idiot. Like, this guy owns the town, the state. He could have been (laughs) murdered on the spot and swept into another well. Exactly. And been like, nope, never happened. But he does go to the senator's house, and this is... I don't know, really the first time I got a good look at the senator. Man, this guy is old. He is fucking ancient. And you know what else is ancient? I've got uh, Dogfish Head's Midas Touch Ancient Ale here. Oh, Ooh. shit. Dang. Yeah. This is, uh, uh, I'll read you the little description here. Somewhere between wine and mead, uh, our original ancient Ale is made with ingredients found in 2,700-year-old drinking vessels in the king in the tomb of King Midas. Uh, there's barley, honey, muscat grapes, uh, saffron, all kinds of good stuff. Despite what it says, this is definitely a beer. Um, <laughs> no, like it's it's made with bar it's made with those ingredients, but it's this is definitely a beer. Oh, okay. I thought, like, the thing on the bottle was, like, preaching to something really high, and you're just like, no, it's a beer. Don't worry about it. And honestly, you can taste those those grapes. It's it's not like a wine grape flavor. It's like a like a tart, just sort of addition flavor. Like, uh, it's not that grapes are the base. It's that grapes are sort of an adjunct. You get a little bit of that honey sweetness in there, too. A little bit of uh, almost a spiciness. I can't really describe it. That might be the saffron. I haven't had enough saffron in my life to really know what it its flavors are like. But it's honestly really good. A super complex beer. Every time you take a sip of it, you taste a little bit of something else. It's really good. Nine, uh, 9.0% ABV. So it's definitely a little bit up there. Strong beer. Uh, but... It's always a good time when you're drinking Midas Touch. It's a good beer. Damn, that sounds like a sponsor to me. Now, uh, when you I wish it, I fucking love Dogfish Head. Is it a golden beer? It is golden. Yes, absolutely golden. There you go. That's the Midas Touch. He can't the Midas Touch. <laughs> so let's get back on this old ass bitch senator. Fuck yeah, he is. How old is he? Fucking old. He looks like a wrinkly ball sack that's been, like, sitting in a bathtub for four hours. Oh, he's just all loose. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you think you think it, he looks like a ball sack that was sitting in a bathtub for four hours because he couldn't get out of the bathtub? Yeah, he's just like, he help, polio. Me. help me! Life alert, life alert. And he starts yelling, BAM YO! <laughs> just... <laughs> He's trying to yell, but it can barely escape his jowls. He starts off offering uh, John a check just to like get him to shut up. 
he should have fucking taken it. Like, he folded so goddamn quickly. <laughs> he could have taken the money, fucked off, and had a better life in Hawaii. Yeah, yes. true. Never to the house and be like, I don't give a fuck about this ghost. <laughs> yeah, just fucking take your uh, horse bitch with you, whatever. I got, I got to move out anyway. Might as well move somewhere nice. Yeah, he had no I bet there aren't any ghosts in fucking Fiji. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, nah, man, I just want you to know that I know that you're not who you're saying you are. You're My fucking- father was not a murderer. I will he- not allow you to slander his good name. Take the medal. Take the fucking evidence. It's the only copy. I'm done with this shit. I just want you to know that like, I- You're not who you think you are. Like, and- is you is or is you ain't. You My murderer. And... This is the most hilarious scene in the whole fucking movie. Is whenever the you know the main character finally leaves and the bodyguard comes in. It's like, I heard some yelling. Are you okay? The senator is like, huh? and looks at him all shocked, and it's like, got her, and he starts like swatting at him, but like feebly. <laughs> yeah, but he's such a child because like he got busted with that second uh, charm bracelet or whatever, and he just yeah. thought, like his best way to hide it is just like slap it on the side of the chair with his arm hanging off, like nothing. I got nothing. Get out. He's just just sitting there all sad pissed. (laughs) He's pouting. But in the meantime, uh, the female lead, she has shown up back at the house and the ghost lets her in. And he's letting her hear the uh, main character, John, yelling different things throughout the house, which is luring her upstairs for what is to me the climax of the film and the creepiest scariest most fucking intense and best performance for someone looking afraid that i've ever seen in my life she does a great job but i do have to poke a hole in it just a bit not her performance but what does the kid have against her no i i agree that there's no reason for the scene but fuck does it work i think it's just that she's in the house he doesn't want anybody in the house I know it's silly that he got rid of the cop, but the cop was hindering John in his pursuit to get the truth. So, like, he was a roadblock. But her, she just went to the house because she assumed that John was still there for the night. Yeah, and she was... Throughout this entire film, she has been an integral part in helping John. She always gets her ass run over by that 200-year-old wheelchair. She does get her ass ran over, and it's fucking hilarious. This shit the hits her right to the last stair. Yeah, the wheelchair starts chasing her in like this kind of creepy, kind of comical scene. She starts running down the stairs and she trips and falls down and the, the wheelchair just kind of runs her over. She, she takes that staircase like a fucking boss. Like she rolls yep. down to like, what, 20 steps, all hardwood and everything, crashes into the door. And she basically gets right back up and starts crawling away. Right about here is when John shows up again, timely as always. Uh, you start seeing the chandelier shake. He starts to try and go back up the steps to get to that room again. And just like the wind is blowing furiously, trying to push him back. Uh, the the stair rail catches on fire. It's going to well, hell pretty quick. Well, he does make it to the second floor. But as soon as he gets to his own bedroom, it was just like Hadouken. And he just like gets fucking shot off the railing and just oh, yeah. thrown into the first floor again. And then in this brief period of time, I don't know how long this took, but the senator made his slow-ass uh, way over there, like, uh, just being an old fart. He's not really there. Yeah, he's not really there. 
He's not? No, he's no. like really astral projecting. Yeah, this is all just for like the shits and giggles for the ghost, you know? Because like later on, well, actually shortly after, he has oh, a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. You think that it's a senator going up the steps and he's just cutting through that wind pretty easy. <laughs> I like that, like, that slow scene of him just like walking up the staircase on fire, just like you returning to your room after you went to the fridge at three in the morning. <laughs> just lurching back up the stairs. So basically, while he's been in his office staring at that metal with, you know, the voice of the real Joseph going, my metal, his mind has been transported and he is walking up the stairs in his home to the room to where he witnesses the murder of the real uh, Joseph. Yeah, yeah and, and the stairs start collapsing, beams start coming down, shit's getting real in this house. No, like, actually real. Like, I'm convinced they burnt this fucking real house into the ground. To the fucking ground, dude. To the fucking ground. They burnt that mansion down. Like, there's and no so way that wasn't real. That was fucking real. Like, the, the way you can tell it's between, like, movie magic fire and real fire is black smoke. And that place was gone. Yeah, you could tell, number one, whenever they lit that bitch up and they go outside... They do like a hard back pan and that shit is burning. And then they show the uh, ambulance drive by after the senator has a heart attack. And it is plumes upon plumes of black smoke rolling off this shit. And you can hear the uh, fire trucks coming because, yeah, they're probably already on fucking standby waiting to put this thing down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the senator has a, has a heart attack. He real dead. Uh, ambulance takes him away. House burns down in a uh, a cacophony. I don't know what that word means, but it's probably a good one. <laughs> and once everything is said and done in the ashes of this house, that little music box comes back and it plays that same sad little tune. Yeah, I was like, is the hit the kid happy? Is he gonna like kill some other people in another house? What the fuck is going on? It's, I think it's some kind of like little circle thing like you know we saw the music box at like the one third mark and we see it again oh resolved credits i guess right. yeah yeah that, that makes sense yeah that was an ending yeah all right but honestly overall i really liked this movie i'd never heard of it before didn't know anything about it first 10 minutes of it i thought oh this is gonna be one of those fucking lame ass 80s b horror movies it's not it is a good, it is a spooky, creepy, honestly a well-made movie. Um, and it, it definitely has a solid chill factor. I'm Actually, I'm kind of happy that I got to watch it. It was a really good recommendation. It's a good movie. It's frustrating to me because it's so close to being great. So close. Like, there's like these little nitpicks and everything that kind of get on my nerves. But, like, I'm glad I watched it. It's really good. For this movie to be as old as it is, to me personally, it's still held up. I watched it with my wife and my son. My kid, after about 15 minutes, of course, started to get a little creeped out. And by the, you know, 20 minute till finish mark, he was laying on the couch, like cuddled up with the wife, like, oh, shit. And I was like, this is what I wanted. I wanted this slow burning build to where you end the film like, oh, man, that was that was that was fucking creepy. I. I think there is some acting in there that's really spotty. Uh, there are some things that you know are dated, but none of the effects look bad because there are no CGI uh, effects used. It's all practical. Everything still holds up when you see it. It's to me, it's not perfect in any way, shape, or form. It's not great. It is fucking good though. Like you can still watch it and go, "That's a that's a good movie." 
Yeah, um, I think it's if you take that script and you give it to like a top tier filmmaker, you give it to Stanley Kubrick or uh, fucking Steven Spielberg in 1980, and you give them like a reasonable budget. I think this is great. Uh, instead, it falls just a little bit short of that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is just a, a really good movie. This definitely needs attention. This needs some like a spotlight on it. This needs to like be seen again. You know, it, it definitely deserves a second life. It's not perfect, but it's very good and it deserved to be seen. Yeah, I'm really glad I watched it. And that is our movie for this week, The Changeling from 1980. If you have any opinions on the cast or the movie itself, leave them in the comments below. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button and hit that little bell icon on your right so you know next time we've got another one of these brewing. Make sure you get there and you follow us on all, all of our different social media accounts. We've got that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a new Reddit and we have a great administrator constantly adding new content for you guys. That way you can check things out. Get out of here next week and see what we've got going on, or else we'll get a crazy wheelchair to come haunt you. Oh, shit! <laughs>